Monique sent me an email asking if I would be willing to introduce Derek this morning. And I right away said, yeah, sure, I, I, can, I can do that. She said, Daniel and Travis don't really know him and whatnot. And, and so for, throughout the week, I was thinking about my relationship with Derek and, and trying to remember, you know, their history, where they have come from over the years to end up in Nanaimo and whatnot. My mom cooked with a lot of aluminum, so I don't remember much. <laughs> but um, I, I, do, I do know that Derek doesn't really need much of an introduction, in all honesty. He might need something to stand on so you guys at the back can see him. <laughs> but no, it's uh, okay. I was thinking the same thing. It's like... All in love. Um, but no, what became obvious to me the first time I met Derek and then over the years and, and up until now, just listening to him and coffees and, and sharing work and whatnot is, um, Derek puts God first and, and his relationship with God and, and his service to people and his love for people is evident after that. And, and I think that'll be obvious when you listen to him. So may I introduce Derek King? Hey, 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 come on, you don't, you don't say that, you got to come and, so I hope y'all don't mind, I got you know, no, hopefully not offend anyone with stepping on my Bible, ah, it's good to be here, it's good to be here with you, I, I know uh, a lot of you, and a lot of you I don't, a lot of you don't know me, but that's okay. I appreciate the opportunity to be able to come and worship with you and, and be with you and, and speak. And um, you know, our, my early days, we've been here, we're in our sixth year. It'll be six years in June that we've lived here. My wife from, is from Saskatchewan, and, and forgive me for some of you, I'm, I'm from the States, so don't, don't hold that against me. Is that okay? For some people, it's okay. Some people, it's not. It's great okay, <laughs> Travis. <laughs> it's awesome. But for some, some it's not, you know. From California, that's where I grew up. And my wife and I, we met in York, Nebraska, going to school there. And uh, we ended up getting married in Arizona, never to return to school. That was our intention. But, and it's been a whirlwind of, of kids and, and ministry and friends and, and family and, and camps. And you've come here. And for a lot of you, our first experience in meeting you was, was at the camp, uh, at Spruston. Uh, six years ago, and uh, we just hit the ground running as soon as we got here, so we just, just loved a camp and, and loved you, and uh, good things are, are happening. I, one thing I do know and understand that no church is perfect, no congregation for every, every people has its problems, but I see growth here, I see encouragement here. Um, by the way, I don't think it's really good to have your, your guest speaker cry before he speaks, so, you know, that, we gotta do something about these songs, man, it's like... <laughs> I'm sitting there going, hey, what's up? You know, I got to, trying to, but, uh, yeah, that's right. That's, a friend of mine used to call those awe moments, awe times. They don't happen all, all the time, but when they happen, you, you pay attention and you, you, you love it. It's like, oh, thank you. So you, you're working on me, you're doing something. Uh, this is a, a strange uh, passage if you're looking at it because you're, you notice I, in Mark, and we're not even going to stay there, but it's kind of a, a springboard. Um, started, you know, cut out the middle portion of that passage where Jesus is talking about um, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And we're not talking about that today. 
Um, but it was interesting to me just coming through that passage because in, in Nanaimo, what we're talking about is discipleship and following Christ and what it, what it really means to, to follow him. And, uh, and so coming across this passage, I, I'm looking at his family. You know, everyone has family problems, right? Especially during the holidays. You know, Easter's coming up. So what, what are your traditions in Easter? People coming to your house, you go in someone else's house, what's going to happen? And, you know, for some of us, there's issues like, oh, man, another holiday. It's like, okay, I, I know I can deal, and, or maybe I can't deal, so I'm going to be sick or something's up. So you look at Jesus' life while he was on this earth, and you see even he had family problems. He had family issues. Um, we don't see it in, necessarily in this passage, but Jesus had brothers who didn't even believe that he was who he, who he says he was um, and, and had issue with how he carried things out. So we see he's just um, got his 12 together, and he started his ministry. He's really starting to, to catch fire and get going, and he's having to deal with stuff and, and a lot of crowds, a lot of people. And then his family, they, they say, hey, this guy's out of his mind. All this stuff's going on. Like, we need to go and take hold of him and, and, and help him for his own good. And so they, they get there and they say, hey, will you tell him that his mother, his, his brothers, his family's here. We, we need to talk to him. And so someone sends word. And, and I just imagine there's people like all around Jesus. He's just, he can't go anywhere. Hardly, he's standing there. And someone tells, oh, hey, the, your family's at the, they're at the door. They want to talk to you. He says, who is my family? Who is my mother and my brothers? And he points to the people around him that are listening to him and taking in his words. Like, these, this is my family right here. And so it, it made me think, I'm like, wow, you know, what we say in our age is that blood is thicker than water. Like, there's nothing as close and holding as your family. Right? Nothing more important. But Jesus is saying, oh, but there's something thicker than blood. I'm, I'm looking at this going, what? Is, can this be, be true? Is this, is this right? Well, then, if he's considering those of us who want to follow him, who have committed to following him as family, he says, I want, Derek, I want you to be family. And you're family if you're following me. Well, what should my response be is the question I ask. What, what, should, I, what should I be doing? What should my heart be, be doing? What should my mind be doing? What should my body be doing? What should my attitudes be? And that's what I want to talk about to, today with you. So one of the, oh, oh, we do have one. One of the central aspects of God's will is that his people be faithful and obedient. And really, that's really what I want to talk to you about. That's, that's the message. When it comes to those who follow my will, okay, God, well, what's your will? You know, how do I, what does that mean? Well, be faithful and be obedient. And if I said nothing else to you, that's what I would want you to walk away with, is to, if you want to follow God's will, be faithful to him, be obedient to him. Because a lot of times we want to be, uh, you know, I hope, you know, I don't know you real well, and you don't know me really well, so really, I can't really offend you. You know, you, well, I can offend you, I'll take that back. It can't be personal because I don't know you well enough to, to offend you personally, right? Okay. My job as a, as a, as a preacher, and I use that term loosely, uh, is to tell you the truth. Okay. That's my job. Your job is to make a decision. 
And so I'm going to do my job I'm gonna do the best I can as the Lord leads. And I trust the Lord do the same with you. You'll do your job. Um, discovery. Discovering God's will, I think, is the, the first response. In Psalm 43, 143, 10, it says, Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. Ephesians, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased or stopped praying for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Discovering God's will. I don't know if you remember uh, Peter and the disciple. You know, Peter is one of those disciples that we always picked on. You know, when we read the, read the scriptures, it's like, man, this guy just doesn't get it. And Jesus, just the master teacher, the master disciple maker, he, he asked this guy, he tests him. You know, so what are people saying about me? You remember this? Oh, well, some people are saying, you know, you're one of the, you know, you're Elijah, or one of the prophets, like John the Baptist who's come back. So, okay, that's cool. But who do you say that I am? Which is the real question. That's what he really wants to know. He's checking. Remember Peter's answer. He says, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus, I can just, I just sense that he was just elated. He says, Peter, do you realize this answer that you've given? It's not you. It's been revealed to you by my father. And discovery is about revelation. God reveals who he is more and more to those who stay connected to him. And so I, I'm looking at Jesus and, and following God's will. He says, I want to reveal my will to you, but you need to seek it out and allow God to reveal it to you because it's not on your own. You know, it's a dangerous place. And I don't know if you're this way or if you've ever hurt anyone that's like this, but, you know, some Christians, we feel like we've arrived and we know all scriptures are all laid before me and I've got it all together. I've heard it all before. Maybe I'm bored with it because I know it so well. Man, it's a dangerous place. I, th I think God is going to start to close his revelation to me. Yeah, his primary way is through scripture. It's also through prayer. It's also through the church. It's also so through circumstances. But it's God and his, through his spirit that reveals himself to us. And I'm so thankful for that. So no one can boast, right? Can't boast. Discover the will of God. Praying. Pray for the will of God. In Matthew, it says, again, for the second time, talking about Jesus, he went away and prayed, my father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. You remember when, you know, he's, he's getting ready to be crucified. You know, really, it's, it's in this week, right? Toward the end of this week. He's going to the cross. He knows what's coming. What does he say? He's praying for not his own will. He expresses his will. I'd like to get out of this. And that's his humanness, right? But what he's saying is, God, what you have set before me is what I want. Even though, and I so respect Jesus for this, even though his feelings were not saying that. He wasn't feeling like going to the cross, right? He's not feeling like having to be teased, spit on, made fun of, while being crucified. 
No, he wasn't feeling like it. And a lot of us, we get caught up in that. Well, I'll do it when I feel like it. I need to get past that. You know, I'm, t- I'm preaching to myself. I don't know about you. Maybe I'm the only one. But we've got to get past our feelings, right? And be praying the will of God. And that's assuming that I've discovered it. Hopefully I have. In John, whenever, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. This used to puzzle me when I was younger. So I can ask you for anything and you'll give it to me? So I'll ask for the lottery. You know, I'll play the ticket and I'll get millions of dollars. No, 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 Derek, Derek, Derek. You forgot the in my will part. When you ask in my will, I will do it. But again, it hinges on the will of the Lord. So do I know his will and do I desire his will? Have you, have you thought about that? You know, to even discover his will, you have to desire it. Do you desire the, the will of the Lord in your church, in your marriage, in your school, in your whatever relationships you have, in your parenting, in your business dealings, in your extracurricular activity? Do you desire God's will for it? Do you pray about it? God, what's your opinion about fill in the blank? And, and do we listen? Do we seek it out? You know what, God, I'm not going to move until I hear from you. What would our life be as a, as a Christian, as one who follows Jesus? What would our life be like? In First John, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Having confidence, God has heard me. Why? How do I know this? Because I'm asking, I'm speaking according to his will. Doesn't that feel good? Just think about this. I don't know if you've done it, so let's assume, I don't know, a lot of you have. This is a well-taught group of Christians here. So I'm not going to say you haven't. But just think about when you have and when you do that. Or if you haven't done it, if you did it, to pray in the will of the Lord. Like one example in Ephesians where it talks about husbands and wives. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And that's God's will. That's the Lord's will. And so I pray that, Lord, help me to love my wife to be for her the way you are for the church. So that's in his will completely. So then, okay, I know he's hearing me, and I, can, I wait and long for him to answer. That's some good stuff right there, right? Praying for God's will. Let not this cup pass. All right, so if, I've, if I want to discover it, I pray for it. What happens next is there needs to be some changes, and they need to be radical. So we have to make radical changes in order to do God's will, because it's not enough just to long for it and then to hear it. There has to be some sort of response. In Romans, it's a familiar passage. Do not be conformed to this world, 
but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. But I say, walk in the Spirit in Galatians, and, do, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. I don't know, I'm probably the only one in here, but haven't you been that way where you, you know in your head or in your heart, wherever it's, this resides, I want to do what is good and right and holy and righteous toward the Lord, or an attitude you want to be right, but you don't do it? And you feel that, that conflict? I don't know if you heard that, um, it's not really a story, but I guess it is. The, uh, guy, um, a native chief is, is asked, you know, how do you know what's, uh, what's right? How do you do what's right and wrong? And he says, well, he described it as two dogs that are living in him, and one is good and one is bad. And the bad dog is constantly fighting the good dog. And the guy asks him, so which, which one wins? And the chief asks him, thinks about it, asks him for, thinks about it for a while. He says, the one that I feed the most. One I feed the most. First Peter, the obedient as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. So there has to be changes. I can't stay the same. You know, if, if God opens up in the word or through a brother or sister, who's faithful to the Lord, um, in the spirit as I'm praying, things come to my mind and all that stuff goes together. And I realize there needs to be a change. And like, you know, this can't stay the same. When I'm, when I'm hearing somehow what's coming to me and what's going on, they're not the same. So it needs to be reconciled somehow. So I got to do something. Can't stay there. You know, it, uh, the story of the, um, the rich, young, rich guy who comes to Jesus and he says, hey, I've gone to church all my life. But he, I think, seems to me, he senses something's missing. Jesus says, well, you know the, the laws. You know how church goes. Just, just do that, you know. He says, oh, man, I've done all these things since I was a kid. He says, but what else is there? What do I need to inherit this eternal life? And Jesus just loves this guy because he's a good old boy from when he goes to church. He's, he's a good guy, right? He's righteous, faithful. But because Jesus is God, he just aims his laser right at the guy's heart. And he goes, it's one thing you, got, you lack. And this is for him. So a lot of times people will wonder about this. Oh, so I got to sell everything? That's what Jesus says. Sell everything, give it to the poor. Was that for all Christians to do? All, everyone needs to sell everything they have and start living on the street? It's like, well, that's not what he's saying. This was this guy's thing. His thing was he held on to his stuff. And Jesus knew, okay, you're coming to me. You want to know my will? There's one thing that's in the way that you have that's in the way of my will. And you need to get it out of the way. So here's your deal. Sell everything you have. Give it to the poor. And then come follow me. And you know the story. The guy, he's, his face drops, cannot handle it, 
Because he wants to, right? He wants to. He knows it. It's been exposed. It's been revealed to him. But he's not going to do it. And he goes away sorrowfully because the conflict, the good dog's winning. There has to be radical change. What's the radical change for you? I don't know. And I think there are stages. It's not just like at the beginning of your walk with Christ that you make a radical change. For some of you, it is. You know, I had a, a friend named Mary who, when she was 16 in our youth group, she formerly, well, her family is Catholic, but she wanted to come to the Lord uh, in a more complete way. And her family was like, oh, no, you're not. And so they told her, if you do this, you are no longer our daughter. And they, were, and they kicked her out of the house. Thankfully, um, a family in our church is like, you know, we have an extra room, extra bed. You, you will stay with us. I mean, that's rough stuff. That's a change. That's radical. And, and she was okay with it. Well, not okay. It hurt. But she, she went through with it. But that's not all of our experiences, okay? Some of them... Your experiences aren't all that dramatic. Or maybe they are. I don't know. Mine wasn't. But there comes time where it, maybe it's, it's, it's silent. And no one knows but you with that radical change. You and God needs to be. So right now, what's your radical change? If you were sitting in a room with, with Jesus, just you and him, crossing the table, you know, he got his coffee, you got yours. I'm partial to coffee, so that's my thing. I imagine Jesus sitting there with coffee. So what's up? How are you, how are you doing? What's, what's going on this week? I haven't seen you for a while. What's going on? You know, it's just a meet every day. I'm here. What would he say to you? What would he ask you about? You know, like the rich man. Sell everything you have. Give it to God. Hey, um, you have this thing that we've been talking about for a while. How's that going? You let that go yet? You put it down yet? Or I, I, I had a, an assignment to send you out on. Have you fulfilled it yet? Or the assignment I gave you, are you fulfilling it in my power or is it yours? Your strength or mine? Because I told you I will give you everything that you need. Do you trust me to fulfill the, the assignment, or are you, you feel filled with fear that you don't think that will equip you to do something I've sent you out to do? Because somehow that makes sense. Yeah, I'm the only one. It's okay. <laughs> Obeying. In Matthew, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. This one's kind of offensive because what that says, what Jesus is saying to me is that not all of us who claim to love God and love Jesus and follow him are really following him. And it looks like I am from the outside, but Jesus looks at the inside, right? That's been God from, from the Old Testament to the New Laser focus, laser to, to the mind, the attitudes, you know, the sword, it, it divides. And there's no fooling God. And so there's even, there's even leaders, you know, fathers in the home who may be surprised on Judgment Day. There's even elders, preachers, 
evangelists, spiritual leaders, he may be surprised when he's going, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, is entering the kingdom, is really a part of me. That's not popular, I understand, but my job is to tell you the truth. And whether it's you or my home congregation or anyone, I would want you to check yourself. Because I, from time to time, tell my kids, like, you know, eventually my faith and your mother's faith needs to become yours. Because ultimately, someday, when the trumpet blows and the Lord comes back and I look forward to that day, I can't speak for you. I can't stand between you and the Lord and go, well, this is what was going on because, you know, they were having a hard time. Like, my relationship is my relationship. Your relationship is your relationship. My job is to tell you the truth. Hebrews, equip you, talking about God, equip you with everlasting, I'm sorry, with everything good that you may know his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And that one starts in the middle of a, he's talking about God equipping us for what purpose? So that we can be obedient. So if God equips you where he gives you whatever, he gives you strength, what, what kind of things you pray for? What do you ask God for? What do you, God, give me more faith. Okay, I'm giving you more faith. Why? Why would he give you more faith? so that you can fulfill his will. It's not just to have it. God, help me get these bills paid so that whatever. Okay, but why would he do that? There's some will, part of his will he wants fulfilled. Lord, I need a new vehicle. This one's breaking down. Okay, but why? What part of God's will will I fulfill with that vehicle? God, I want to go to a good school. Why? How will I fulfill God's will? If he equips me and enables me to do that, how will I fulfill God's will? He's expecting obedience. He's expecting a return. He's expecting a response. Right? And I used to think, back in the day, I used to think it's, it's like almost militant. You know, like I, I just have to. And that's not totally bad, but it's not very mature. You know, like when you're kids, you have to obey your parents. If not, something's going to happen or something's going to get taken away or, or whatever. But, but as parents, you know, a lot of us that are a little bit older, we understand, we want the response of our children to be out of because they love and appreciate. Because they see that we love them and we want what's best for them. And we want the response to be out of that love, right? I know, I'm the only one, but... I, I see God being that way, too. It's like, well, Derek, yes, I, I had a duty, and you want to be punished and, or cursed and be in, the, in, in my wrath, you know, in the pathway of my wrath, and God has wrath, and we don't want to be in the way of that. And, okay, that's cool, but, you know, but I want your love. I want you to be in awe of me. I love the songs we were singing because I'm like, man, reminding me of stuff. God's like, okay, see, this you, Derek, you ain't the only, you, you, Anyway, um, oh, James, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or do that. 
Sometimes we, we make plans too. I'm going to do this, or I'm gonna. But have you thought about, you know, am I being obedient? You know, today when you woke up this morning, what were you thinking? You know, did, I don't know. Do you have prayer time? Do your feet hit the floor? You got to go. Is there a fight with the kids or a fight with your spouse? Is someone dragging you to church because you really don't want to go? You know, I, I don't know. I don't know what your life is. All of those have been mine um, at some time or another. Hopefully not all at once. That's really tough. But dang, just stay home. Um, losing my train of thought now. Plans. What are your plans? We will do this. We will do that. But is it the Lord's will? Do you, do you say, God, I want your will to be done today. Lead me and guide me in what I'm saying. Lead me and guide me in my attitudes. Lead me and guide me in my relationships, my interactions today that I know of and those that I don't know of. You know, and let me be obedient to that. You know, some of us are goal setters and we, we write stuff down. You know, God, guide me. Make my goals your goals. Make your goals my goals. Do I consider God when I do that? There's a, a lady I'm really excited about at, at, at Nanaimo, and she would call herself a babe in arms, okay? But she's just about old enough to be my mother. And uh, she hasn't been a Christian very long. She just wandered in one day, and her sister was, they were going from church to church to church, just trying to, her sister doesn't live here, so she's trying to find her a place before she goes back home. And so she found us, and she ended up staying, and they both like, this is the place, okay cool. And I don't know if you've ever, you know, looked at a flower. And I see Kim. Her name's Kim. It's like a flower. And when the sun comes up in the morning and it's shining on the flower, eventually if you look at it long enough, you start to see the flower kind of opening or maybe even turning toward the sun. You ever see that? And it's almost like your naked eye. You go, am I seeing this? And you can't. But it's almost like you can. I don't know. Maybe you have seen it. I see Kim like that because I see stuff going on in her life that we're not like sitting here and going, Kim, do this. Call people in your life group every day and see how they're doing. Kim, pray for the group. Kim, pray for me. Kim, pray in the way home from my group and then call us because you heard something in the discussion and you're concerned about it and you think, well, maybe God's wanting you to do this or that. This is stuff this lady's just like doing. And I'm like, we haven't like told her. We've done it around her, but it hasn't been like explicit. You must do this. And what I'm seeing in this woman is, I'm like, I'm amazed because she's being obedient to the leading of the Spirit of God. I mean, and she, she's not a reader. She'll tell you, she's happy to tell you. She'll tell you her whole life if you ask her. So when, anything I say about her, it's okay, seriously. <laughs> She'll tell you more than what you want to know. But she's so obedient. I'm, I'm, just, I'm amazed because she's just open. And she is childlike in this way. When Jesus says, let the children come to me, don't hinder them. You can't enter the kingdom unless you're like a child. And I'm looking at Kim going, wow, you're like your flower. You're like a child. You're, you're just completely open. You obey whatever she hears or senses. And she's like, well, that's what God wants. I'm doing it. I'm like, wow. And it's almost, I've been a Christian for a, a while. I'm like, I, I check myself when I see her because I'm in awe of what God is doing in her. And it's not like someone is saying, you must do this. She's got just an open response of love to God. She's like, well, that's what he says. That's what we must do. 
and she praises and she encourages. Well, I see God working in you, Derek. That's what, that's what, and I'm just like, Kim, you, you're just humbling me. <laughs> it's awesome. She's a little socially awkward and stuff, but, and, and people sometimes kind of get annoyed with her because she kind of, you know, she might, you know, kind of chase people, kind of a bull in a china shop sometimes as she comes in talking about stuff, but she's just innocent. She doesn't, something she doesn't know what she's doing, but her heart is there. And she's just obedient to the Lord. So she doesn't often worry about what you think about her. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. Faithful and obedient. That's my, my prayer for you. You would be faithful and obedient to the Lord. Because the great thing about it is a huge benefit that maybe you're unaware of. Maybe you are. I'm sure you are. Early in Jesus' ministry, Jesus refers to his disciples in a place or two as servants. You know, no servant is greater than his master, talking about them, right? Or students, talk about students. No student is greater than a teacher. And then eventually, he refers to them as friends. And then toward the end of his ministry, after He's resurrected. He tells the ladies that saw the resurrection, saw him alive. He says, go tell my, what? Brothers, right? So it went from servant, student to friends, and now it's like they're in. They're in. They're family. When uh, Jennifer and I were getting married, uh, we, we really threw our family, my wife's family throws together stuff. You know, it's, it's, like, it's like a challenge. Like, oh, what, you're going to get married this month? Okay, yeah, we can do a, a wedding in a month. No big deal. What, you need a place? Okay, yeah, you can have it in my church. Yeah, no, no, no worries. Uh, dress, we don't have a dress. We'll find a dress. No big deal. We'll find something. And we did. It was like within a couple of weeks we had a wedding and we were married. But many of the, the, the family members I had not actually met yet. And... Jennifer's uh, oldest sister, Dawn, was one of them. And she has really long hair. Pat, she's passed on now. This is a great story. You'll, you'll love it. No, I don't know. Um, really long hair. Kind of hippie-ish, you know, because she came out. She, when I saw her for the first time, first time, we were going to be staying in her house. The wedding was going to be in her church in her town, you know, six hours away. We figured everyone could fly into this town. Hadn't met her before. She comes out. She's barefoot. She has seven children. She has a newborn, and she comes out. First time, just heard about me, hadn't seen me. Doesn't know what I'm like. I could be a total punk, you know, marrying her sister. You know, has no idea what I'm like. I kind of was, but she didn't know. And she comes down her driveway like this. And she throws her arms around me. I don't even remember what she said. But I know what she was saying. She was saying, welcome to the family. Because somehow, she understood years before I did that there is something thicker than blood. Derek, though you are not related, you are part of this family. We weren't even married yet. The wedding was like another maybe a week or so. But she's like, you are part of this family, and I welcome and I accept you. And I sense, I, I feel, I see the same thing Jesus is saying to these guys. Hey, 
you, if you're obedient to my Father's will, you're in. I welcome you with open arms. You are a part of my family because you're responding to me appropriately, rightly. Yes, all the mercy and grace and the wrath and the power and the strength and I keep my promises and I will follow you to the end of the, of the age. All those things wrapped up, yeah, they're yours. You're family. You're my brothers. You're my sisters. Let's pray. God, we're in so, such awe of you because for a lot of reasons, we can sit here and pray, talk to you, talk about you. God, we ask for your help. We need to respond to you appropriately. We need to not take you for granted. Jesus, you are so good to us. You are our big brother. You have led the charge. You are the example. You have shown us the way. You are a man's man and much more. You're an obedient son. You are a master teacher and disciple maker. You are the lover of our souls. You are the Lord and creator of the universe. You are the judge of the earth someday. You are the sender of the Holy Spirit. I ask that you will help all these things and more to seep into our minds and into our hearts so that they come out in our hands and in our attitudes, keeping you in mind. But you know we're human, and you know we're going to mess up. Some of us may even forget tomorrow what was said. And I could be one of those people. What did I say? What were the points? I don't remember. But God, Lord, when we stray, when we forget, I pray that somehow you will bring us back to your will. Poke us in the side, open up the word, have a brother or sister be brave enough and compassionate enough and loving enough to say something so that we can go, oh, yeah, that's right. I got to seek you out because I want to know you. God, thank you for this time. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the leadership that's here. Thank you for all the, the men and women that do what they do. Thank you for the growth and the healing and the, the encouragement that is found here and the ministry that you are working here. Thank you for, in spite of us, working in us and allowing us to join you in the work that you are doing in this place, in this city. Come soon, Lord. In your name.